Hey, welcome to the 1980 podcast. I am very excited to have my very first guest, and this is probably the best guest, and it's all downhill from today. All right. Hey, we are back today. I have my guest, Marissa Spurl. I met you. How did we meet each other? I it was I believe it was LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, Pepperdine connection. Yep. And I found your uh, your blog mm-hmm. as well as your blog. Followed that content, and we kind of connected from there. So I'm just gonna say you stalked me, and and alternatively, <laughs> what's even creepier it was on my back end. I didn't know this, but I had some software that was on my website, and it was tracking that someone's real time going to my website, poking through this. I reached out to you immediately to say, "Hey, what's going on? Let's talk." And uh, slightly creepy on that end. So today, <laughs> I think a couple topics we're gonna be talking about. You're really into pop culture, social media. I'm a social media geek, so I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, why don't we start with social media? Because that's how you found me. You found me through LinkedIn. And, and just let's start there. Sure, sure. So, you know, with social media, you know, I, I'm a pop culture fanatic um, almost all my life. I've One of the things I love about pop culture is that it's almost never ending. It's always being created. Social media and how much it's grown and how varied it's grown has really added to kind of the proliferation of pop culture you know, uh, communications. So, um, I mean, I studied communications um, in college, studied popular culture in college. It definitely called to me. Um, and what's so interesting with popular culture is it's how a culture shares and creates meaning, um, shared meaning, what is important, who is important, how this situation happens. It kind of gives you a barometer, you know, of going on. And that's one thing that's always stood out for me when studying history, when studying, you know, different different movements is kind of what was going on culturally in the society. And with social media, especially, I think one one thing that really always amuses me is, is meme. You know, meme is piece of culture, a piece of media typically that someone uses its origin meaning and kind of creates a new meaning or subverts that meaning on top of it. And kind of without saying anything, you could just send a picture of a meme and there's no words on it or anything. It's just a picture like SpongeBob. There's a ton of SpongeBob memes. <laughs> and as a kid, you know, you grew. I grew up watching SpongeBob, um, the cartoon. So seeing it as an adult being created into these memes and having a second life is is just really hilarious and 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 kind of brings me joy in a way uh, where we have this shared meaning of we're going to use SpongeBob memes. I think you're actually a you're you're considered a millennial. A part of this, yes. A part of this channel, 1980, was really about. I'm a, a zennial, right? I, I fall in that bridge between Gen X and millennials. I lean a little bit closer mm-hmm. towards your world. I like memes. I like social media. I'm much more connected. But I also kind of grew up a little somewhat antiquated. I missed out on some of this. And, and so communicating via meme, for me in the workforce, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a completely new and very foreign. But I see millennials and more more realistically, Gen Z uh, are the ones that are just using memes as an entire form of communications, emojis, memes. And it's really changing how we communicate. Are you seeing this in the workforce? Are people starting to use memes and workforces, even emojis? Or? I think so. I I, th- I- Totally agree. Um, and, and I and I do see that, especially, you know, at my current position, we have a, a group chat, so to speak, kind of like a Slack channel 
instant messaging where from time to time, you know, at the top of the day or, you know, it's happy Friday, someone will share kind of a cute meme that'll get, you know, a chuckle. I think that's just adding richness to communication. And, you know, with emojis, I always appreciate those. And it's really different because, I mean, we used to communicate just with text, right? I mean, that was completely written form, 100% written form communication. And especially now that we're in a pandemic, we're sitting at home, like the the ability to communicate emotions is basically gone if you're using just text. What's beautiful with memes and what's beautiful with emojis is you can add a little bit of color, you can add a little bit of emotion into kind of what we're sending back and forth. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, It's interesting being a millennial where, you know, I remember when like internet in every household wasn't a thing. (laughs) I remember having AOL online and you couldn't be on the phone if someone was on the internet because it's either or. So I, I remember kind of going through that and seeing the internet become more and more a part of everyday life. And that, that, that's what I think is particularly interesting about the millennial generation. Also, millennials had, you know, the Nokia brick phones where you texted, you know, 111-222-777 to type out the words. Um, And now we're at a point where we can send GIFs and memes and emojis uh, to our heart's content. So that's been really cool to see the evolution move so quickly with, with how we communicate. So to, to my audience, I think, especially if anyone that is more of a Gen X or even older, I think what we fail to realize is that millennial, I'm, I'm a millennial-ish, uh, we did grow up in a world before the internet. I think what we're failing to realize, is we, we say millennial is a common term of just really young kids. They're not young, right? We are, we're, not in, we're, we're not young anymore. We are in our prime. We are working hard. We have families. You know, we're, we're just grinding away. So we're not the young kids, it's really Gen Z where I'm looking at them. Oh my gosh, these are pure digital natives. They grew up in a world, be- they, they don't know of a world before the iPhone. They don't know of a world before the internet. I mean, they they only know digital, like they're complete natives. And so it's fascinating to talk to a, a, a millennial and realize that you're, you actually grew up with AOL days and probably the dial up and, and pre-internet days. I remember when to look up movie times, you would either have to call the movie theater or look in the newspaper. <laughs> in today's information age it's so funny to think that that was not that long ago. You know, we're not young anymore, but it's look at how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk yes. about Twitter. Like, what do you like about Twitter? For most people, I think for I, I think I'm fully adopted. I've been with Twitter since the day they launched. Um, but for a lot of people, they're just like, I don't know what to do with this. It's too fast. Like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you use Twitter? I totally echo with with what you're hearing that, you know, my friends and colleagues that don't aren't engaged with Twitter, say the same thing. You know, I don't know how to use it. I don't know how to engage with it. I created my Twitter account in 2009. So I've been <laughs> been on the platform since, you know, 10 plus years. What I like about Twitter is nowadays is kind of where I go for my news mm-hmm. because you can see so many different viewpoints and easily access it while also being able to kind of curate your timeline to, you know, the, the kind of content that you're wanting to see. But it does move very fast. It moves very fast, especially if you follow a lot of different timelines. You can kind of filter you know, especially when you're in things like trending topics, I can see, oh, what's trending in Seattle, you know, or what's trending in the United States. And then, of course, there's international Twitter where, you know, it's, it's a worldwide application that anyone can access and they have their own 
memes and and jokes and threads uh, that they do. But Twitter moves fast. And, you know, I find that if I miss a day or so of kind of exploring the timeline, seeing what's going on, getting a temperature, you can really kind of lose out and, and miss things that happened. I'm kind of a naturally an investigative person, personality. So sometimes you come across a Twitter thread and it, it looks like it's a little bit of drama. It's kind of fun figuring out, okay, well, what are they talking about? They're not mentioning who they're talking about. Okay, let, let, let's, you know, let's dig in and see, you know, what, what kind of drama is happening over here. And so what, um, what kind of topics, what kind of people are you following on Twitter? Goodness. Lots of academia, um, especially in light of COVID. It's been really fascinating to hear kind of what, especially faculty, because I've worked in higher education for years, uh, but not in kind of a faculty position. So I'm not only interested in the kind of research that they're doing, the kind of content they're creating, but I'm also interested in hearing how are they experiencing this pandemic? How are they experiencing campus closures and moves to reopen? things like that. But um, favorite writers, both on television, book writers, as well as television writers, television producers, kind of pop culture critics. I follow a lot of those because <laughs> I like to keep my finger on the temperature, you know, of, of what's going on um, in pop culture. I, you know, I love consuming pop culture, you know, itself, but also reading different people's takes on what's happening in popular culture, what, you know, they think of this show or this movie or you know, that this kind of piece of, of culture that's happening. I, th I think for those that are just figuring out, you know, should I get on Twitter and everything? And it, it's so overwhelming. I think, like you said, it depends on who you follow, what topics you're tracking and following, right? So you can curate an entire group of people that are just like you and they think like you. And then it all sounds like it's the same stuff over and over. But what I found really fascinating with Twitter was when I find a topic that's outside of my realm. And I really start following a handful of people and you're like, oh my gosh, now I'm really getting a gist because people are now sharing information about certain things. Like for me, like I'm not really big into pop culture, but I'm going to start following some of the stuff that you're following and eventually get immersed into that conversation. Just recently, I started following this whole community called No Code. They, they develop software using no code platforms and I knew nothing about it. Right. And all of a sudden now I follow someone, they recommend someone I'm just following, following, following. And all of a sudden my entire feed is just now really geeky, very technical really changes. And then with George Floyd, I, I made a conscious effort to follow more prominent black uh, people on Twitter. I, I think the other thing is it's really changed my mindset. And I'm following a, a black designer in Florida right now and another one that's working remotely in Romania. Wow. And really just starting to form really cool friendships over on Twitter. And I think just the more you start reaching out outside of your bubble, it really it's I, I think it's changing my mindset on a lot of things. Wow. Those barriers, mm -hmm. you know, they're not all the way down. You know, not everyone has access to the Internet. Right. Not everyone has access to a smartphone. But, you know, when you think of when we were kids, the idea of connecting with someone who mm -hmm. is working in Romania, who is, you know, not in your same state, not in your same town is kind of like it wasn't a thing. But yep. nowadays the barriers are it, it's just really powerful to think Things are happening for, for, for good. And it's incredible because I, I grew up in a small town in southwest Washington, uh, Longview, Washington, and it's, you know, there's no diversity. Um, and and your, my network when I was growing up was just whoever was in my school, whoever is within my reach that I can bike to and or 
make a local phone call, right? Like long distance used to, you had to pay money to call outside of your city, yep. which was a ridiculous like, concept and idea. And then now yeah. today, I'm just imagining, it's like, I know someone in Romania, right? And I know someone that's, that's a designer in Romania that has a travel, work anywhere lifestyle, right? It's such a niche, wow. narrow thing. I simply just followed her on Twitter and now we're exchanging back and forth. Uh, something that you couldn't do before. And all of a sudden now you're able to just find someone in a very niche, small little space and then make a connection. That's so powerful. So let's uh, well, let's switch a little bit. You used to be a career advisor uh, at Pepperdine. Academic career, uh, academic advisor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me a little more about yeah, that. But I, yeah, so, you know, my position was to really be the point of contact for students. I work with graduate students at Pepperdine. Um, my position was to be, you know, if they needed to contact someone at the school and they weren't sure where to start or they had an issue that came up or that's what I was there for. But also the core was really, you know, I'm the person that we're going to consult from the start of your program all the way to the end. My door is open to you. Let's talk about goals for completing your program. Let's talk about any concerns you have. Let's discuss your, your workload and you know, how to best achieve your goal of graduating with your master's degree and maybe a little bit of what comes next. But you you really are kind of the nerve center when you're acting as an academic advisor, because um, a lot of our function, in addition to kind of the core of assisting with planning courses and making sure registration and everything is smooth and, you know, they're aware of, of what's going on is also connecting to resources, connecting to, you know, we have a counseling center that, you know, if, if you're in need of support, you know, we have this resource for you. We, we have a writing center where you can work with them with your dissertation or your thesis. Being able to understand all the tools that, that, that students and, you know, all the resources that they had available to them and matching them kind of with that and, and connecting them with the right staff members, with the right you know, departments, you know, you're there basically from before they even start classes, when they, they they come in and meet with you, go over their program, answer any questions, call them any nerves, um, and then just let them know that, you know, we're here for you. If you call, I'm going to pick up the phone. <laughs> if you email, you're going to hear back from me. You're not kind of going through this by yourself. You have that. You kind of become a part of the student support system. I uh, totally took advantage of every program that was available. And people like yourself, like I think I reached out to the same equivalent over in the School of Public Policy. And I mean, just it was incredible to have such a support system, especially when you're in, in part of school. A lot of my listeners and a lot of people I've been working and connecting with, I'm usually in, in their early stage in their careers or just recent grads and they're coming to me for advice and counseling. And I think one of the hardest things moving out from school is when you're new, you're now in the workforce, all those resources aren't necessarily there. You kind of have to create your own, right? You're kind of open, out in the open world and you don't have like a person like yourself that can give that coaching, that again, mentoring, that guidance or the resourcing that's available. Said, I think earlier we talked about Twitter and we talked about the internet. The power is now there is everything at your hands, you know, on your phone yes. or on your computer, which is incredible, but it's also overwhelming because how do you find the right reasoning? How do you connect with the right stuff? Like there's just, I, I can't pick and choose. One of the things I've been advising people is just, you know, find find your, your, your group, find your, your topic area. And there is... Mm-hmm. 
infinite resources available on the internet. There's a subgroup, a subculture, a community, a paid membership, unpaid memberships, free groups, Slack channels, Discord. I can go on and on and on. There's always a niche for every single topic that you're interested in. And I think just not being afraid of kind of finding just a home and finding a space. Completely. I, I couldn't agree more with what you were sharing with finding your, your group, finding your people. You know, I, I thought of meetup groups. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to a, a virtual conference recently where they had a keynote speaker saying, you know, I got into code later in my career life, but it started with going to a meetup group. And, you know, we were all learning code. I was really brand new, but it put me in that network. You know, it connected me with the right people who could share with me insights as well as their mistakes. You know, these are the mistakes I made and here's the advice and the wisdom that I'm imparting to you to so, so you can avoid, <laughs> you know, my, my missteps. Um, you know, here's resources that I found helpful. And I've found that's true also on places like Twitter, on places like Medium. Uh, LinkedIn is, is, you know, kind of an obvious thing because it's made for kind of career networking, getting into dialogue with mm-hmm. people who are doing something that you're interested in really kind of helps heighten your focus and refine where, where your pathway is going to go. However many ways it splits off. And, totally and so agree. You, you reached out to me on, on LinkedIn, right? You, you found me and reached mm-hmm. out and everything, or I think I proactively reached out to you back as well. Um, I have found in my career, like there's, there's not a moment where I haven't reached out to someone and someone's like, no, I don't want to, right? Like it, it's usually, I might be mm-hmm. too busy. It's not a good time for me, but for the most part, very few, I've been rejected very few times, right? And it's always just, mm-hmm. people are very willing. You just have to kind of just go with, I always advise it's just to just go for it, right? It can't hurt. And if anything else, you might be sitting down and recording a podcast with them several weeks later. <laughs> I know. I would not have seen myself here, you know, several weeks ago. But, you know, you, you never know. You never know. And so let, let's, I, I want to share a little bit about podcasting and we'll, we'll start wrapping up here as well. Um, on the podcasting side, you know, I have, I'm not a podcaster. Like, and I think go back maybe a, a month ago, I had almost no experience in podcasting and now I have all this equipment and I'm just really curious and interested. And I think one of the things I've been pushing myself is just start, right? The, especially with podcasting, right? You don't even need the right equipment. You and I are just sitting here over Zoom, we're doing a recording and it's working fine. And I think you have an interest in doing a podcast potentially with one of your friends. And do you think you'll start doing one or? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, you know, if COVID has shown us anything, it's that distance doesn't mean, you know, that, that it's just completely off the table. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the barriers, again, you know, that they're, they, they're being removed, yeah. so to speak, to where you could be, you know, you could have a podcast with your connection in Romania, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> who knows, they, sure they might will. be a future guest. <laughs> I sure will. And, and you had talked about, you know, I was like, who'd be interested in listening to me and my friend just, just yabber on, on about pop culture. I think there will be. I mean, I think especially with COVID right now, we still have such a hunger for human connection that, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to just even listen into our conversation. It's like, it's like going to a restaurant and then snooping in someone's conversation. It seems like they're having a good time. <laughs> right. I've done that before. Like, but it's always just interesting to really meet really interesting people having really cool conversations. And I think that's for me, like that, that's what, that's the kind of podcast I'm looking for is not necessarily the technical ones or the ones that are interviewing people at some technical subject, but it's just, I love just hearing people have conversations and, 
And for me with COVID, I'm, I'm missing some of that conversation because we're all yeah. at home or we're not, not connected in person anymore. Uh, I'm really enjoying this medium as a way to connect with other people and have really cool conversations. I love podcasts and my favorite podcasts are the one where it feels like every week I'm coming to the table with like two or three of my friends where it's like, what are we going to be talking about this week? <laughs> and there's times where, you know, something strikes such a chord that I will be laughing out loud, you know, <laughs> and it, it really is, it really is kind of nurturing where, where, where it feels like, you know, I have all these friends in my head <laughs> and, and every week I get to spend a little time with them. Just, just talking over a podcast is one of the best ways to connect. And if anything else, like if no one's listening, it's a great way to have a conversation with someone. And I appreciate having you on the show today and, and uh, just connecting and learning from you. And Yeah, well, it's been such a pleasure and I'm honored to, to be asked and to be your, your first guest. Um, this was a really great conversation. I could talk about pop culture and social media all day long. <laughs> Expect that. So this is a new and you're the first guest. And when this podcast finally gets to a point where it has a substantial following, expect me to reach back out um, to be <laughs> a part of a guest again and share your insights with this community. So I appreciate you for being here today.